that music just wants you to get to the gym right now, right? You guys ready? <clears throat> Many of us are making resolutions. We want to get healthier. We want to get stronger. And it gets me thinking about four years ago that the U.S. men's national curling team was the underdog surprise gold medal winners in the Olympics. And when they won, they owed a lot of their gratitude uh, to their personal trainer, which was Brian McWilliams. Now, contrary to popular belief with curling, it does require some physical exercise. McWilliams put them on a plan, six days a week, two to three hours a day. Oh, by the way, they had regular 40-hour-a-week jobs, too. So on top of that, what those three days included was weightlifting. They were training their abs so that they had a good center of gravity. They were also doing squats to make sure that their legs were right as they were on the ice. And then it was three days of interval cardio training so that they could speed up and, and also slow down when they needed to. One of the most fascinating things that Brian McWilliams said was this. He said, we no longer referred to them as curlers. We referred to them as athletes. We no longer referred to them as curlers. We referred to them as athletes. Our habits shape who we become. Their habits were shaping them to become not just curlers, but athletes. Our main point this morning is our habits shape who we become. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, whether you have it uh, in a physical Bible or on your phone or however you have it, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Before we read this, I just want to give you a little bit of a background. Galatians was written uh, because there was some false teaching and a conflict within the church, and Paul is addressing that. But as we get to Galatians 6, this is actually an exhortation, an encouragement, a response of, hey, this is how you should live right now. After responding to this conflict, this is what it looks like to live out the gospel. Let's read Galatians 6 together. It says this, do not be deceived in verse 7, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the, their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have every opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, as I read this verse, it's not rocket science. If you went to the self-help section of, of the Barnes & Noble or your library on Amazon, you probably would find something that's very similar to this. And we say things in the more negative sense, what goes around comes around. But there's also in our culture, there's a positiveness of, well, if you do good things, good things will happen to you. The problem is, is if we read this passage devoided from the first four chapters, we miss what's uniquely Christian and what Paul is trying to say. As I mentioned before, there is a conflict within the church. Galatians 1.6 says this, I was, Paul says, I was astonished that you added to the gospel, that you are deserting the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection to be believed. 
So when we're talking about the gospel, when Paul is talking about this passage, he wants to correct a false teaching. And the conflict had to do with this tension between grace and law, faith and work. And so what Paul is trying to do, there's a group of people that, that they believe that there's certain practices. It's Jesus and the gospel plus these certain works plus observing these certain holidays, all these actions. And there was another group of people that said, we're followers of Jesus. We don't have to do that. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So when Paul says this, what Paul is doing is he's already worked out the gospel in the first four chapters. You know, we live in this tension. And some of us, as we think about habits this year, we've begun focusing on the habits since September and what that feels like. Some of us were a little bit more on the work side. Hey, I'm just going to grin and bear it. I'm going to white knuckle it. And then for some of us, well, the gospel is grace, so we're all good. We don't need to do anything. But what Paul is saying is this. In the first four chapters, they were sowing discord and pride and reaping conflict. What goes around comes around. Your habits shape who you become. So what is the interplay? How do we understand this? Why do we even talk about habits? Well, Dallas Willard, who's a famous philosopher and theologian in the book, The Great Omission, says this, grace is not opposed to effort, but opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And I think what Dallas Willard is getting at is getting at the heart of this passage. Following Jesus is really, really hard. But you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn God's acceptance. No, you are already loved by him, but it requires effort. It requires work. Let me give you a quick example. My daughter Lucy's about to turn one, and she doesn't sleep real well. You know, she's batting like a really good baseball player right now. So she's up a couple times in the middle of the night, now, I can handle that situation by saying, hey, Lucy, uh, you know, this whole sleep thing, if you don't figure it out by, you know, when you turn one, let's just drop the Englert name till you figure it out. No, you would say that I was a terrible parent. But what I will do with Lucy is this, hey, Lucy, you know, you are loved by God. You're created in his image. And God has given us this beautiful gift of sleep. And God has called us to love other people. And one of the best ways to love other people is to get a good night of sleep, especially your mom and dad. But when we don't sleep, we know that there's health problems. We know that there's mental health issues. So we want you to practice the habit of sleep to become the person that God created you to be. So when we say habits shape who we become, it's already from that security. It's already from the love and grace of the gospel. So there's really two ideas that emerge from this text to help us understand how do habits shape who we become. And the first one is this. Your habits are your responsibility. Your habits are your responsibility. So in, in verses 7 and 8, this is where Paul talks about sowing and reaping. And then he makes this distinction between flesh and sowing to the spirit. So flesh is a weird word. Are, are we talking about my hand flesh or whatnot? The way I like to think about flesh, it's the autopilot of our lives. 
So when you think of flesh, there's a part of you that wants to eat 10 cookies, but you know that that's a bad idea. There's a part of you that wants to say something to your spouse, but you know that that's a bad idea. So the flesh part is every time we give into that, but that's opposed to sowing and reaping to the spirit. Now, prior in Galatians 5, 22, uh, 23, and 24, Paul makes this beautiful picture and this beautiful illustration. He said, sowing to the fruits of the Spirit. So when he's talking about the Spirit, he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, which include love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I think what Paul's point here, not devoided from the first four chapters, he's saying this, yet you are loved by God, the gospel is really real, but for you to become all that God's called you to become, you can't just think it's gonna happen on autopilot. Said another way, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So how do we understand this? Your habits are your responsibility. John Mark Comer, who's the author of a book, Live No Lies. He's a pastor and a theologian out in the Seattle area. And he says this, remember the key to spiritual formation is to change what we can control, our habits, to influence what we can't control, our flesh. Remember, the key to spiritual formation is to influence what you can control, your habits, to influence what you can't control, which is your flesh. Here's a picture for you. I grew up in Endicott, New York, where IBM started. I grew up in the north side, which is the Italian district. My mom's maiden name's Pachano, so we love Italian food. Now, if you go to Endicott in the summer and you were to look at all the backyards, you would see these nice garden plots and these beautiful little cages. And you might be wondering, what are these cages? Well, these cages are for tomatoes. Because when you grow tomato, the structure, it actually needs to hold on to something. It needs to build in something. So if you and me were to plant tomatoes, what we have control over is the structure. I can put that cage in. I can plant the seed. I can make sure the soil's good. What I can't control, I can't control the weather. I can't control the sunlight. I can't control the biology of how that all breaks together. But part of gardening is, hey, I'm gonna try to control and make a habit, pull the weeds of what I can to influence what I can't control. And I think that that's the picture for us. When we talk about habits, your habits are your responsibility. We begin to realize, hey, God has put me in a place that I can respond to him. I have growth. I have areas where God is leading me towards. And if I'm aiming for the fruits of the spirit, if I'm aiming for patience, if I'm aiming for love, then it's all of a sudden the question, God, what do I have control over? Usually that control is not other people. So what do I have control over? Is it, is it just the growth or what? And I think what we're saying here as we think about our four habits and as we talk more and more about them, what we're saying is this, the habits are the things that you can take Monday through Saturday when you're not here at church. How are you living out your faith? How are you experiencing our mission in life change in Jesus? In the fall, we handed out these journals. They're called habit journals. 
They're 26 weeks long. They're for individuals like yourself, and they help us engage all four habits. And there's five days of devotions. There's a place to take uh, notes during the sermon because what we want to do is we want to help you grow in your habits. We want to help you experience life change in Jesus to live out this point. Well, a few weeks ago, I was in Starbucks. Uh, I go to Starbucks before church every Sunday, and one of our habits is share your faith. So when I think about the habit, share your faith, you know, there's certain things that you realize you can do, and there's certain things that God has to do. And one of the questions that we have each and every day is this, who, who are you going to share your faith with? Who are you praying for to share your faith with? So I have a list of individuals, and I wrote them down, and lo and behold, on this Sunday morning at Starbucks, one of the individuals shows up, and he says, hey, what are you doing? My hands got a little sweaty. I was a little nervous. I was a little scared. And I was just like, well, should I tell him? I'm praying for him. You know, what should I do? And just, I kind of blurted it out. I said, well, I'm actually praying for you. I just wrote your name down right here. <laughs> and he, he looked at me and he goes, my life has been terrible. It's been really, really difficult. I really appreciate that. I can control praying for my friend. I can control making time for him, you know, that if I see him in Starbucks, not to rush, not to go, but there's a lot of things that I can't control. Let me tell you a few things I couldn't control. As I've begun to pray for him, there's people from this church. He has family members. He has coworkers. He has all these people that come to the church. And all through this time that I've been praying, I thought, man, I must be the only one. But no, as I begin to pray, I begin to see, God, what are you doing in this person's life? What I have control over is praying for him, being available, making time for him. But God is doing so much more. You know, when we say your habits are your responsibility, what we're saying is it's not a burden. It's not a burden to carry. It's an effort and it's a responsibility for you to become all that God has called you to be. So first of all is this, how do habits shape who we become? Your habits are your responsibility. The second point is this, your habits hold you accountable to other people. Your habits hold you accountable to other people. Look at verse uh, 9 and 10 with me. It says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't give up. So prior in this passage in Galatians 6, 2, Paul makes this statement. He says, carry each other's burdens. Now, this is a super encouraging part of the Bible. You know, for us that we're doing resolutions, we're looking at our habits. Yeah, don't give up. Don't be weary. Don't, you know, don't go from there. And, and we're all kind of sitting there and we're all thinking, man, this is great. But think about the context of what Paul's saying. This is a group of individuals that had conflict with each other. They were sowing pain, they were sowing pride, and they were reaping bitterness. They were reaping fights. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It's not the other person's problem. You are responsible for each other. Carry your burdens. Don't get weary. Don't give up. The, the passage moves from individual. Yeah, what you sow is what you reap. And if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But as a follower of Jesus, you are responsible 
to other people. You are accountable to other people. And it just so happens that in this passage, it's an encouragement. There's something that happens when you're in relationship and you're connected to someone. There's words that are said, there are prayers that are said that, that we might be going down the wrong road and it might be really difficult. And what Paul is saying here is, is this, he's saying, hey, don't give up. Don't be weary. And look at the people that you're angry at and look at the people that you're upset with and look at the people that drive you nuts because you are called to them because the gospel has changed you. Now think about this. When you sow and reap the fruit of the Spirit, when you, when you sow love and patience and grace and mercy, when you do that, that helps you not only become the person that God's called you to be, but that helps you to relate to other people. The gospel is all about who you're becoming. And when God's love is there, when he begins to change your heart, you begin to realize how you're accountable to other people. A few weeks ago, uh, we do this experience called Rooted. It's for those that are in small groups and those that aren't in small groups. And in December, we closed our cohort. And there's a woman who 24 hours before our closing service said to me, hey, I, uh, I wanna share my testimony. And I said, okay, go ahead. So she got up and she shared her testimony. And she said, I've been following Jesus for 40 years. And I walked into this group of women that I did not even know. And I was blown away at how close we got and rooted. It's a 10-week experience focused on our habits, focused on Bible reading and prayer. And she said, I just felt so connected to the people. I was so surprised at how quick it happened. And she said this, our small group leader had a rule. It's a three-word rule. Keep it real. Keep it real. And as her small group leader and her talked about it, she said, we walked in and we said, hey, we're going to keep it real tonight. You know, how are you doing this week? What's really going on? How are you building prayer? How are you building habits? And, and that's the power of this passage. When we talk about accountability, sometimes it seems like it's ugly. Sometimes it seems like it's self-righteous. But what Paul is saying is you're responsible for those that are about to give up. You're responsible to help those carry your burden. There's something happens when you show up. There's something that happens when you're in relationship with other people. Uh, 2022 is a tough year. You know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but, you know, as I think about this point, I just want to bring up coming back to church. And here's the deal. I know that many of you that are online, you have made some very tough decisions for the protection of other people. And I want to thank you for that because that's living out the gospel. But I do want to say this on Sunday morning. What's your plan, and at what point are you going to come back to church? And the reason I ask that is not to be a Galatians 1 through 4 type of Christian, but to actually help us realize that when you show up, there's things that happen beyond this service. So, for example, you know, the worship is great. I love what's happening, entering us into the presence of God. That habit is beautiful. Pastor Rob is, is a great speaker, helps us to go deeper in the Bible, and we're committed to do that. But what happens outside of service is this, is there's conversations. 
there's people that are talking. You're getting to know other people and you're introducing yourself. And in some ways, what happens outside of this church, hey, did you hear that message? How did it affect you? So for those of you that are online, for those of you that are with us today, I think living out this passage, it's not about rushing you to come back, but it's about, hey, what's your plan? You know, what does it look like? Because your habits affect other people as parents. When our kids see that we were modeling this habit and we're showing up and we're saying, hey, faith is really important, and we realize all the caveats that go with that. We realize all the difficulties and all the things, and it's, it's complicated. And, and here's the other thing. We are committed in this new church age. We're, we're going to give you digital resources. We're going to engage you. But there's also times that God calls us to show up. And I just want to put that out there. Where is God calling you to show up? Where is God calling you to keep it real? So there's two Two ideas, how do habits shape who we become? Number one is this, your habits are your responsibility. Number two, your habits hold you accountable to other people. So today, you're no longer curlers, you're athletes. You're no longer, what we're saying is this, is your habits are helping you become the person that God has called you to be. Your habits are a way of helping you see how God's at work in your life, inviting him to speak and to be with you. I want to just close with two quick questions, two quick, quick questions for you to reflect on. And the first question is this, as we start 2022, what habit is God challenging you to take personal responsibility? What habit is God challenging you to take personal responsibility? You know, on, on the screen, you're going to see our four habits. And even now, as you're thinking about it, you know, if God was to just come to you as you're taking notes, which one of those habits stick out to you? Which one of those habits are, are you kind of saying, hey, you know what, this, in 2022, God's calling me to grow. You know what, I, I want to do the effort. I want to do the hard work. You see, what keeps me awake at night is to help all of you live out the mission of life change in Jesus. And that matters to the Monday through Saturdays of your life. It's not just on Sunday. It's how are you engaging God? What area, what risk is God calling you to say, hey, sowing, it's really, really hard. Picking the weeds is really, really hard. But what is God asking you to do? I want to just give you three opportunities as we start the year. Just three quick ways, just, hey, how can I take personal responsibility today? The first one is this. In a few weeks, we're going to have Rooted. Whether you're in a small group, whether you're not, you know, Rooted is, is really our experience that helps you put the habits into practice. And as someone that's gone through it, it, it develops a deeper conversation for those that are in small groups. And just as I said, with new small groups, it builds them together. I want to encourage you to take that step. Maybe you're not in a small group. Maybe your small group hasn't done Rooted yet. I want to just encourage you, hey, how can I live out this habit? That's a way to do it. Secondly, you know, this week you probably saw in our newsletter, you also saw in, um, in, on social media, we have a Bible reading plan. And this is kind of the most basic, you know, that when you're practicing the habit of reading the Bible, it helps you see things that you don't see. You know, and at the website on the screen, you can go there and sign up. It's reading the whole Bible in two years. There's a group plan and there's a discussion. And so I just want to encourage you just, hey, is, is that the step for you? And, and lastly, you know, I'm, as I mentioned before, we talked about these habit journals. 
they're available right outside. They're free. You can take one. And you're saying, hey, I, I realize that I want to spiritually grow. I want to take that next step. And again, I, I want you to know, you know, that's a lot of opportunities. But here's what I'm concerned about as a pastor is what if there was 500 people at Browncroft or 1,000 that were living out the habits, that had a healthy view of the gospel, that were living in such a way that they were seeing what God was doing. Can you imagine what God could do with that? Can you imagine the people that are gonna come to know Christ? Can you imagine the marriages that, that God is working? Can you imagine the parenting relationship? See, we care about these opportunities and we share them with you because we want you to grow and experience life change in Jesus. And no one here has arrived so your habits are your personal responsibility. And the second question is this, how are your habits holding you accountable to other people? You know, like what we said, when you begin to sow and, and you begin to reap the fruits of the Spirit, it connects you with other people. Love, joy, peace, patience. You know, as that small group leader said, keep it real. So if you're in a small group, keeping it real, whether you text or like my group WhatsApp, you know, the text after service should be this. Hey, this is what I'm working on this year. This is the habit. And then to keep it real the other way, it's when you see somebody in your small group saying, hey, how do you think God wants you to grow this year? How is God working in your life? And then even to keep it real, it's putting a, a little reminder somewhere and saying, hey, March, you said this. You said you want to grow here. You know, and I think of even after the Sunday service, I think about even in the chat uh, of our live stream, what if we just shared with people, hey, it, it's normal for us to talk about the habits. It's normal for us to have these conversations. It's normal for us, not in a judgmental, self-righteous way. No, 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 we wanna grow. And we wanna have these conversations. And we wanna be accountable for each other. And we wanna encourage other people along the way. As we close this service, I, I can think of no better way than to close with communion. So <clears throat> if you could grab your elements for communion, there is a top film part, and I know that some of our ushers are here if for some reason you didn't get any. Let me tell you why it's important for us to close with communion. It's important for us to close with communion to remember this. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. See, these habits, it's not just another to-do list. We're not holding our finger at you. We believe this is that Jesus loves you. And the good news of the gospel is it's through his love and his grace, it's through his forgiveness and his death on the cross and his resurrection and new life that we experience what he calls us to experience. So as we close this service, as we enter 2022, we wanna remember the gospel. Jesus, when he was with his followers, the first thing he did was he took the bread and he grabbed it and he said this. He said, this is my body that is broken for you as you eat, remember me. And Jesus took a cup and he said to his disciples, this is my blood that will wash you clean, that will give you new life. Let's partake of that cup.
I'm gonna, in a few moments, I'm gonna just pray over you. I just wanna remind you that the mercy offering uh, is gonna be available. It's for those that um, are in acute need. And so we thank you for those of you that are investing in loving uh, the family of Browncroft. And, you know, lastly, you know, I know that you all have a lot to think about, but, you know, we do have these habit journals that are for free. You know, I'd encourage you to go out in the lobby. There's a table there just to take it. If you all don't mind, can you just stand with me as I pray a blessing over you? If you feel comfortable, you can actually put your hands out as if you're tangibly receiving this blessing. Now may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you. May 2022 be a year that you experience the gospel in new ways. May you grow in each and every one of your habits so that you can begin to see how God is working all around you. May you live in such a way that you see the encouragement and the accountability of other people. And may you be blessed in ways that you never thought God could work in your life. And we pray this all in the name of the resurrection and life. And all God's children said, amen. You're dismissed.